Hi ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are finishing up the book of Acts. The first half covered the new church in Jerusalem with the leadership of Peter and the apostles and then how it evolved as the church grew and got older and now the chief leadership in Jerusalem is Jesus' half-brother James and the elders. The gospel or the good news of Jesus, which started in Jerusalem with the gift of the Holy Spirit, moved out to Judea and Samaria to both Jews and Gentiles. And the second half of Acts came with the leadership of Paul the Apostle. Then the good news spread throughout Syria, Asia, and into Europe. And with Paul, it will end in Rome with both Jews and Gentiles receiving the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. When I was a teenager, my pastor said passionately, this book is not the acts of the apostles like Peter and Paul, but it is the continuation of Jesus's ministry. Now, instead of in the body, in the spirit. We have learned that Paul took three missionary journeys, and with these there is a pattern. One, Paul would teach in the Jewish synagogue. Two, there was mixed response with both Jews and Gentiles. Three, the Jews incited a crowd or made a plot against Paul. And four, there was persecution or a narrow escape of Paul. One other key point to remember is that Christianity is based on the Jewish faith. We share the same Old Testament scriptures. The Christian Bible, Old Testament, is divided separately into five sections, and the Jewish scriptures have three sections, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. They combine some books, which gives them a smaller number of books, such as our minor prophets in the Christian Bible. We count 12 different books, but the Jews count it as one book and call it the Twelve. The Old Testament is filled with promises that God will provide a Savior or a Messiah to be a blessing not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. And our New Testament shows that Jesus is that Savior, that Messiah. Jesus himself said, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. So the question arose, do Gentiles need to become Jews in order to believe since it is a fulfillment of their religion? When the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles without them becoming circumcised, then it seemed that the answer was clear. No, Gentiles do not need to become Jews in order to be saved. But not everyone saw it that way. Then there's another question that still ponders the Christian world today. If we are free from the law because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, then what laws, quote unquote, do we keep? Can I live any way I want? 
In chapter 15 of Acts, the Jewish council with James as the leader concluded that if Gentiles would abstain from food sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled with blood in them and from sexual fornication, then they would do well. Acts 15 verse 29. It is this issue that brings our story to a climax. Peter and Luke, the writer of Acts, have come to Jerusalem after the third missionary journey. And verses 17 and 18 of chapter 21 states, And the brethren received us gladly. And the following day Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. Paul shared about the things which God had done among the Gentiles, and the people glorified God. And then they said, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you, and that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to their customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Therefore do this that we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take them and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and all will know that there is nothing to the things which they have told about you, but that you yourself also walk orderly, keeping the law. But concerning the Gentiles who have believed, we wrote, having decided that they should abstain from meat sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what is strangled and from fornication. Chapter 21 verses 20b through 25. So now the question is, do Jews who become Christians have to observe the law or not? Paul honored the request of the Jewish church, but some of the Jews declared in verse 28, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. They assumed that Paul had brought Trophimus, the Gentile Ephesian into the temple because they had seen him with Paul. This caused a riot and the Jews tried to kill him. A Roman commander brought soldiers and centurions and stopped the Jews from beating Paul. They bound him with two chains and they had to carry him due to the mob. Paul spoke to the commander and asked if he could speak to the crowd. Paul spoke to him in Greek. He was given permission and he began to speak to the crowd in the Hebrew dialect. The Jews hushed. Paul gives his defense starting in chapter 22. Here we learn more about Paul. He was a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought to Jerusalem to be educated under Gamaliel, and he was zealous for God, just as you are all today, he said. He shared how he persecuted the way and then his experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Everything was good until he said in verse 21 that God told him, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Then the cry for Paul's death went rampant. 
The commander brought him inside to be scourged, but Paul asked, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? The commander, who had bought his Roman citizenship, was surprised and then learned that Paul was born a Roman citizen. (gasps) Well, the commander then released him and ordered the council to assemble and brought Paul before them. Paul addressed the Jewish council, starting in chapter 23, when he realized some were Sadducees who do not believe in the resurrection and some were Pharisees who do believe in the resurrection, Paul said, Brethren, I am a Pharisee, a son of the Pharisees. I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. Verse 6. This caused another uproar and dissension within the group, and the commander was afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces. So they took him away by force and took him to the barracks. Then verse 11 reads, But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. The rest of this chapter tells us that the Jews had formed an oath that they would not eat or drink until they had killed Paul. Paul's nephew, the son of Paul's sister, heard it and came and told Paul. Paul told the centurion to take his nephew to the commander, and he told him everything about how the Jews had planned to kill Paul. That evening, the commander, Claudius Lysias, got 200 soldiers and took Paul to Caesarea to Felix, the governor. He wrote him a letter and said, I found him to be accused over questions about their law, but under no accusations deserving death or imprisonment. This is the first time a Roman official called Paul innocent. Felix kept Paul until his accusers came and had a hearing. Five days later, the high priest Ananias came with some elders and an attorney named Tertullus, and they brought charges against Paul, chapter 24. They made their case and called Paul a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Jesus was from Nazareth, verse 5. Paul gave his own defense. He said they can't prove their accusations, but I am a part of the sect, the way, and I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything in accordance with the law and what is written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Verses 14 and 15. Governor Felix, who had some understanding of the way, put off judgment until Lysias the commander comes down from Jerusalem. And verse 23 tells us he gave orders to keep Paul in custody, but to give him some freedom and allow his friends to minister to him. Felix's wife was a Jew and they came to hear Paul speak. Verse 25 says, but as Paul was discussing righteousness, self-control, And the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. Paul stayed in Caesarea for two years. I often wonder about the men who vowed to not eat or drink until they killed Paul. How long did it take for them to eat and drink? Chapter 24 ends with Porcius Festus replacing Felix as governor, and he kept Paul in prison. 
When Festus visited Jerusalem, the Jews talked with him about Paul, and they still plotted a way to kill him. When Festus arrived in Caesarea, he set up the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought forth. The Jews brought accusations against Paul, but they could not prove him. Felix asked Paul if he would go to Jerusalem to stand trial, and Paul made his appeal to Caesar, verse 11. Festus said, You have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you shall go, verse 12. Before he left, King Agrippa and his wife Bernice visited Felix. Agrippa had power over the temple and knew the Jewish ways. Felix told them the story of Paul and King Agrippa wanted to meet him. In verse 25, Governor Festus said, But I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and since he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. This is the second Roman who claimed Paul was innocent. Chapter 26 is Paul's defense before King Agrippa. Verse 18, Paul explains that his mission from the Lord was to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in Jesus. Paul then said that he was not disobedient, but he declared both to the Jews and to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Verse 20. King Agrippa told Paul that he might persuade him to become a Christian, and Paul responded, I would wish to God that you would become like me, except for these chains. Verse 29. Verse 33 reads, And Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. This is the third time a Roman official declared Paul innocent. And I mention that because in Luke, three times, the Romans also said Jesus was innocent. That was Luke chapter 23, verse 4, and then verses 14 and then 15. Chapter 27 and 28 tell of the trip to Rome. They got on a ship and Paul had warned them that the weather would be bad and they should dock, but they did not listen. It became dangerous, yet the Lord told Paul that no one would lose their life, but the ship would be destroyed. Paul was encouraged by the Lord and the men became encouraged by his faith. The ship caught ground on an island and broke up, but the men were saved. The island was Malta. While there, God did a miracle with Paul that a viper snake came out of some wood he placed on the fire, but Paul shook it off into the fire and he was not hurt. This brought the island people to think he was a god. The leading man of the island, Publius's father, was sick and Paul healed him. People on the island brought all the sick to Paul and they were healed. The people blessed them and they got another boat with all the supplies that they needed. In chapter 28, verse 16, Paul arrived at Rome, and the brethren came from all over to meet us, Paul and Luke, which encouraged Paul. He was placed under house arrest with a guard. As was his custom, Paul called all the leading Jews to come, but they had never heard from the Jews of Jerusalem. While talking with them, Paul made it clear that the Romans found no grounds of putting him to death. 
In verse 20, Paul said, I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. Paul explained from both the law of Moses and from the prophets of how Jesus fulfilled the promise. As usual, some believed and others did not. Paul again told them that because the Jews did not hear, he went to the Gentiles because they would listen. The last two verses of Acts read, And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. Frank Stagg said this last verse is a key statement of the book. The gospel is unhindered, yet the preacher is in chains. But the gospel will never be hindered. One thing to keep in mind that every writer writes with a purpose in mind. And with that, he adds important details and excludes details that are not important to the story. But did you notice that there were believers in Rome and Paul had not been there yet? From Acts 2, with believers from every nation being in Jerusalem, the gospel went all over. Think of all the people that helped Paul. What is the full story of Aquila and Priscilla or Apollos or Timothy and Silas? And whatever happened to Barnabas, John, Mark and Peter? God was at work in their lives and in Paul's. The gospel message is unhindered. The question is, will people believe or not? The real question is, will you? The Lord has a story to tell through your life. Will you listen and obey? Will you, as Paul said, perform deeds appropriate to repentance? If you hear the Lord's voice today, please, please don't harden your hearts. Instead, let's be women who believe and act as he calls us to. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.